Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mitten Backstage. Today, we are chatting with the wonderful man of many percussive talents, Ryan McMahon. I met Ryan on some gigs a few years back, and we ended up living together for a year while he was just getting his feet wet with Joe Hurtler and the Rainbow Seekers. We chat a lot about music, life in this industry during the pandemic, things we've come to realize you know, at the core of our beings from having this downtime, what we value, what we want to go forward, focusing on. It's a really great conversation, and I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun chatting with Ryan, and he's always a good, good, good dude to listen to and, and interact with. If you liked today's conversation and you want to support podcasts like these that I create, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Snedeker. There you can contribute at different tier levels to get early access to audio and video podcast episodes, behind-the-scenes live streams, exclusive merch, and the ability to hire me as a consultant, instructor, or even a recording artist. So thanks again, and feel free to like, follow, comment, subscribe, whatever platform you happen to be enjoying these podcasts on give it a follow it helps me out and share it with some friends i'm sure there's somebody in your life who could benefit from these conversations in the michigan music scene all right let's get right into the conversation with ryan mcmahon (laughs) what's going on oh you know the life (laughs) yeah making making that sweet sweet content <laughs> yeah um other than that uh you know i've been uh it's been nice to like catch up with some old friends and i've i now have two mornings where um like fridays i'll get together with uh hannah schroeder and we'll um go on you know like a trail walk in the morning and then i've been doing saturdays with an old friend from high school um we've been walking on yeah saturday mornings just picking different spots so it's nice to just like have some time during the week to chat with folks and i had a good call with an old friend that i'd been meaning to catch up with uh who lives in brooklyn and he's kind of doing the music tech route after also like learning how to code wow so it's been cool just kind of like like feb february felt like <laughs> i don't know if it, it felt like that kind of month that's like i know i did stuff and i know i learned things and i know i've progressed but and i know I've, i have evidence of like these are things i did this month <laughs> But it, as a whole, it's just been kind of like, did I do anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's a familiar feeling <laughs> these past few months. <laughs> that's good to hear. Like, going go out to uh, a couple spots, just mostly around Grand Rapids and whatnot, or west, closer yeah. to Grand Haven and all. Or... Yeah, it's mainly been, mainly been Grand Rapids with um, people's schedules. But I know, I think that the idea at least for me and my friend Joe, uh, she was saying to go 
out to Rosie Mound. And I yes, like, that'd be that's sweet. <laughs> that's so funny because I was just gonna ask you. That was I know when uh, when we lived together. That was like the spot I like to go out in the mornings. There's a good amount of open space, and then you get that section of the river before it comes to the city. So, yeah. Or uh, or are you thinking of Riverside? I'm thinking of Rosie Rosie Mound. That's over like uh, way on the northeast side of town. That's um, what is that? Rosie Mount. I at least what I'm thinking of is uh, in Grand Haven. It's like a big. Oh yeah, sorry. That's the one. On the, that's I'm sorry. That's the Dunes. That's just south of Grand Haven Park. Yeah, and it's like near the yeah near Lake Michigan. What, which one am I thinking of? The one on the. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna find. We have technology, folks. <laughs> this is this is more important. Than... Yeah. Well, and and I've I just downloaded um what is it the All Trails app or something? Oh yeah. yeah. So now I'm I'm seeing like wait there's this little like chunk of woods in this area I've never been to so I know what it is it's a uh, Roselle Park oh Roselle that's over like on Green River Drive way over in the northeast side of town but also Rosie Mount is another awesome place kind of a I mean people know about it but it's a little bit more quiet than some of the other lakefront uh, parks in that area. Yeah, we so. tried. I had I had some friends. Uh, we had tried to do like, you know, like a, a socially responsible beach day <laughs> last summer, and we went to Rosie Mound, and it was like, you know, like the the walk was fine, and then we get to the beach, and there, it was whatever day it was. It's just those like those flies that just like to zip around and bite you all the time. <laughs> They were just they, like we we would literally go into the water and I would watch my friends and, you know, the group of people we were with. They'd go into the water. They they dip under the water as soon as they'd come back up. You know, like seven of them would just like zoop, like land on them, yeah. start biting them. And I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I'd, yeah, I'd rather not get bit by horse flies or whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah, it, it they weren't unless I'm like mixing up my biting flies but they were the, they looked smaller than horse flies but they were just they were just so it, it it felt like it felt like somebody like you know like doing a little pinch and it's just like you're in class so you can't really do anything and you're just like stop it stop it yeah <laughs> it, but yeah and, and we like we tried to tough it out for like i think we were there for like an hour and a half, almost two hours. And we were just literally like, we were resigned to like, we either had to be like further out in the lake and like mostly under the water, or we had to like <laughs> be on the beach and like, just like wrap ourselves in towels. Yeah. I'm like, this is not. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I, I had had like Marquette beach time and that was just, that was fun with like earth radio folks last summer, but mm. yeah, not getting bit by yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the flies. Um, but yeah, how's your February, February? Um, it's March now, but it is March now. February for me was good. It's, it's, uh, it's the month of my birthday. It's uh, Pisces season. My birthday was last Tuesday. Um, just turned 27. Another year so, older and wiser. I would sure hope so. At least uh, I'm definitely older, but 
<laughs> Hopefully I'm wiser. I think I am. I think this uh, last year has given us or given me at least an opportunity to, to learn some things I would have probably never um, at least confronted in, in the amount of time that I have um, just with the change of um, with the change of pace and just how things are now. Um, but yeah, February was great. Um, you know, I think the stuff that I've kind of been, you know, that I can be thankful for and the stuff that I've kind of reflected on is not always been as, as musical as it probably has been in the past. I think the stuff that I've been kind of doing is just kind of been a diversity of things. Um, I, uh, I've been living in D Detroit since, uh, about August which has been totally awesome. I mean, even despite, you know, the fact that you can't really go out to venues and, you know, we're dealing with so much of this, uh, you know, of the, you know, obviously this virus and we're dealing with, you know, the, the gigging economy or lack thereof. Um, I, I'd still say that living in the east side of the state and living in Detroit has really kind of opened my eyes and reconnected myself with some, some friends. And also I've even been able to make some new friends in the process. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's partly just kind of little things, giving myself a pat in the back. And then, uh, you know, also the same thing that you kind of mentioned before is like, wait, what did I, what did I do again? I just, <laughs> I can, th I can remember something, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, February is always kind of like the turning of winter, you know, we still have a couple more months of winter, obviously. And I you know up here in Michigan, but, um, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice chance to kind of start to look forward. And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, we're all excited about right now is there was a lot of questions. There was more questions than there were answers consistently. And I think just, I don't know if you feel the same way, but things are starting to make a little bit more sense. And as the vaccines are rolling out and the warmer months are coming, it starts to be, you know, you can, you can actually start to put stuff on your schedule again and have something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think since the early winter, I think things have gotten a lot better a little bit by little bit. And I think things are the best they've been as of, you know, right now, um, especially like this last week, I just went on a camping trip, uh, with some, some friends and, uh, had my birthday. So can't complain. Yeah. You know, at least not lately. I can, you know, I can definitely complain about some things <laughs> that have happened over the last year, but I think as of recently, I've been, you know, I think it's been pretty well. So. Yeah, I I feel like that's that's like all you can hope for is like that I was I was talking with um with Hannah Schroeder the other day about like there's so many there's so many unknowns with you know the music industry and what's going on and like what venues can be open or what is open, what's closed, what like who's not even a venue anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I haven't even started attempting to look at booking cuz this past month has been a weird example of like as things opened up, I started getting a lot of like, you know, like, Hey, can you like, I'm, I'm going to be doing twice a week at the listening room doing like, you know, a jazz trio and some solo stuff. And nice. that was not like, that wasn't Quinn Matthews, like back in December being like, okay, we can open in February. It was just like all these restaurants got the, fi like the final notice, like 10 days out from February. And then they're like, Oh, we can open up. And then they're all, you know, buying things for you know restaurants and <laughs> moving tables around and stuff yeah and, like to be able to facilitate 
Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like whether it's, is it, is it, is the, that's going to be an indoor, the listing room is the indoor space. Is, is it not? Yeah. They, they're doing yeah. indoor right now, but they, they did launch an outdoor concert series last year that mm-hmm. will also happen. I don't know if, you know, what the budget is in terms of like, you know, like, Oh, May comes around, they start the outdoor concerts. I don't know. Maybe they'll start earlier or later, but, um, does that mean that affects my indoor thing or is it going to be a dual type? Like you could see something indoor and then go outside or I don't know, but yeah, it's all, it's all like, you know, month to month kind of need to know, you know, (laughs) the, the state of everything. And with vaccines rolling out, it's a little bit easier to like feel like you'll be as a business. I feel like you'd, you'd feel like you could stay open longer than being like, well, we might get shut down next month. <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, you know, confidence is so, so important to musicians, um, especially because the music industry is something that is always fluctuating, you know, already, you know, despite what's been happening now. <laughs> and so, you know, it's hard to have inspiration. It's hard to have stability, you know, without having that confidence, but yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, you know, if, if you have the confidence from the venue that they're taking the steps they need to make it safe and they're going to have the the uh, the outdoor heaters or the tents or whatever it may be to just make it happen. I mean, that can give that can give a lot of people confidence and that can yeah. go a long way. So, well, and, you know, like the restaurant that um, Kyle works at, um, Kyle Tilstra, uh, mm-hmm. 123, they they got some like recognitions from the region um being like you know like probably the best dining space outdoors um it's like because they have that whole courtyard at studio park that they've just populated with like here's a chunk of you know closed off you know small table you know enclosured seating here's some like you know book a party of six at a picnic table like you know, they had the room to like set it up to spread out and, and, um, they were able to like, you know, really, really dial in that. And then when indoor service opened up at 25% capacity, they, all they had to do is just kind of like extend that back indoors. Like, Hey, there's no seating outside, but there's, you know, a couple seats at the bar or a table or, and then now with the listening room partnering with the restaurant, they have, 25% of that room open up, which I think is like a, it's a 200 cap room. So what, that's like 50 people. So they have like, you know, the, the three, three booths that can seat like two people and then like a row of tables by like the, uh, I don't know, some other seating that has like a couch back, (laughs) like a upholstered backing. And then, you know, like a handful of tables spread out on the floor and it definitely feels like people have enough room to move around and they don't, you know, when I was playing, everyone felt really comfortable. Um, I even, I even got my first, uh, you know, it's been a while since this had happened with just someone who was like enjoying themselves a little too much coming up to the piano and being like, Hey, you get to take requests. Like, uh, I don't, but I haven't had to say that in a while. And then yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, 
and she's Very like, sweet. "Well, if you, if you you should play you should play Elton John," and I'm like, <laughs> "Some uh, things never change." Yeah, well, and then the icing on the cake is like, as she's walking away, she was because I was like, I don't, I was like in the middle of a song, just like I don't really know like any Elton John. I could see what I got, and she's like, "I hear he's got a song called Piano Man." Uh, I'm like, "No, he does." Wait, <laughs> come back, <laughs> like. <laughs> I didn't think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause I was sitting there like a piano man. Like, I don't want to play piano. That's not even by Elton it's John. A... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? I was just like, yep. The, and, yeah. and I was joking about it with Quinn afterwards. Like, this is what I waited eight months. Yeah. For. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. The same people like, finally, I could tell other people what to do again in public. <laughs> but then what was really nice is like the table next to hers the this dude was like dude you play whatever you want and he gave me a 20 and i was like hey there you go <laughs> you know he gets it yeah good good gig that guy gets an award yeah, i don't have does. any I don't have printed out but <laughs> yeah <laughs> when was when so when were you doing that is this recently yeah this so how this kind of came about was I think it was, you know, a combination of things opening up. Um, I first played at GR Noir the first week of February. Um, I did three two-hour solo sets and then one two-hour, you know, with breaks. Um, one two-hour thing with uh, Madison and uh, John, is it Meerkatten? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. John Meerkatten. John Meerkatten, um, which we're playing together again this Friday and Saturday at the listening room. That's beautiful. Nice. Um, yeah. I, we we kind of like, it was that moment where we're like, we all know each other through like different things. And then when we all started playing together, we're like, this feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. It's like, why haven't we done this in the, in the past? Um, and, uh, but yeah, like, I think a combination of like the restaurants opening up, seeing that I was playing gigs that kind of, you know, motivated Quinn. I think he was already like trying to think of Valentine's day entertainment and then kind of saw some, some posts that I made of me playing. And then he reached out and wanted me to do solo piano, um, Valentine's weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And then, the biz the venue owner whoever owns the listening room was there because the the steinway they have was like uh this yeah the steinway they have is like an inherited piano from his grandmother so he was like oh i want to hear this piano being played and then he dug kind of the vibe of like what was happening he's like yeah this could we could kind of have a club environment with this socially you know distant seating and yeah. and music and you know even just the simple like a couple mics just having it kind of evenly distributed in the room um it made a lot of people feel comfortable and then i guess after a couple meetings they're like yeah we're just gonna you know touch and go try this every weekend friday saturday and i was like yeah i'll <laughs> yeah i'll take it <laughs> i think uh you know i think the theme kind of goes for most of these venues is, you know, when the world is ready and when the venue is ready, I think the musicians are ready too. You know, I think, you know, obviously we want to feel just as safe as everyone would hope to feel safe. 
Um, but I think now that we're coming up on the, the uh, 12 month mark, you know, I think that we can start to really see uh, some sort of progress, you know, it doesn't have to be monumental, you know, like it seems like this thing is very quaint and it's very intimate, which is awesome because, you know, that's something that we, that's something that we really want for music anyways, you know, as much as we miss going to the intersection to see some huge band and, you know, dancing up on some sweaty stranger, you know, or, you know, having some guy yell at you. It's like, we do miss the other side of the music industry of these very small kind of intimate things and just, you know, feeling like these almost like kind of one-on-one musical experiences. And I mean, they have proven to be safe, you know, and they have proven that if people are, you know, are following the guidelines that, you know, have been in place and have the, the knowledge that has been growing all throughout these past few months, it seems like that's something that, can totally happen and totally can be safe, especially as, you know, we're getting into the summer months and, um, you know, venues are, you know, and restaurants aren't taking any chances. You know, they have the experience now with, with what they're doing on their end that, you know, people aren't afraid to say, Hey, can you wear your mask? You know, it's like we were in the summertime when it was a much stranger world. I think that we were living in last summer than we are right now. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and well, and, and I remember joking with like, you know, because so, some of our best shows of last year with Earth Radio were, you know, where we had like a, a 40 cap on a patio at Rake Beer, and we were able to sell those out and have like our, you know, people who understood what it means to like go to a concert and wanting to do something and and also kind of seeing like oh, okay it's a lot of this you know like-minded people who respect you know other people's spaces respect you know the fact that the business might tell them like hey throw on a mask if you're gonna you know be moving around or going indoors like be mindful of your surroundings <laughs> yeah. um but we were joking like it's like this might be our chance like <laughs> It's like, yeah, we guarantee we won't have more than fifty people here. <laughs> we'll have we'll have under thirty. Well, no one's gonna show up. Okay, you're hired. <laughs> I mean, that's like it's. There's a lot of truth to like. There's these bands that are huge, and they they have it the worst. You know, they won't. They don't have any chance at, at coming back and and playing shows anytime soon. But for for the gigging musician like yourself, you know, staying busy with multiple different projects. And being able to find these venues, like, you know, that those you are, you guys, and in, in, in those types of bands are the first people that are going to be able to really get their feet wet with, you know, how, let's take a step forward, you know, like, let's figure out how to do this and whatnot. So, yeah, because like, I, rem I remember like going to the, um, it was that trial run show Rainbow Seekers did in Muskegon. At, yeah. At the dock deck. Yep, at the it's called the deck. It's right there at the Muskegon beachfront. Yeah, um, and like just seeing, you know, that kind of trial run of like, okay, it's outdoors, so it's you know, it's not as not as, you know, nerve wracking as like trying to fit the same amount of people in a space. But then also kind of trying to be like, Okay, like, yeah, I get it. Like it you know, you want people to dance and have a good time mm -hmm. and start you see like people getting closer together. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Wait. Yeah. Let's enjoy the music. You go over there. Enjoy the music. <laughs> like peace and love. Peace and love. As yeah, it's definitely you know it's you know you're kind of dangling the treat in front of these people that have been 
absolutely deprived of something that they care very deeply about. And so it's just naturally, you might want to stand up on your feet. Um, next thing you know, <laughs> mask comes off. It's like, it's a very strange thing. You know, I know, I'm sure you've been talking about this with every person that you've had on your show and every, and every single person that I've talked to has had different experiences, but yep. you know, we have all started to see kind of this trend of, you know, as people start to kind of get their feet wet again, you know, some people have this newfound knowledge. Some people feel like, um, one thing I kind of was, I, I've been thinking about and just to go off of like, especially like, I guess that Muskegon show was something that, um, it kind of stuck in my mind. It's something that we, at, you know, the rainbow seekers in, in my, you know, we are going to try to do again soon. Um, we're going to, we're going to be booking that for the early summer and uh, you know, we'll have some more information about that coming out here. Um, but just the, the, the entire concept that we're dealing with is it, when I notice when people say like, Oh, when things go back, you know, when people use that phrase, you know, oh, when things go back to normal or like, you know, when shows come back, I think there is definitely a sense of truth to that, the sense of, yeah, like there will be a point in the future where you can go to a venue and, or you can go to here, or you can go to a listening room or you can go to a club and you can watch live music again. But I think the idea that, that I've been having, I think that I've been starting to see is that just the concept of going back is just not reality at all. I, I think it's so much of going forward we spent too much time um you know not not necessarily too much time but just the amount of time that we spent um you know over this past year is like i i only see musicians and performers moving forward because things will never return to how they are how they were i should say how they how they were you know we just have too much knowledge and we've all had so many experiences over these past few months that I think going forward is the only way that I, I, I think it, that will actually feel correct. That will like kind of portray like kind of the progression of getting this industry kind of rolling back um, forward again. You know, we have, I mean, just so far yet to go, I think it could be four or five years before we start to feel like we, we are confident in the new industry. You know, there's going to be big shows again, and there'll still be people that are going to be ignorant about the science, and there's still going to be people that are, um, you know, have a lot of anxiety about, you know, how deadly this thing is and, and how much it's changed the economy for, you know, I guess people like you and I. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I've totally given up on the idea of things going back to normal. Like, I only see it as, we spent a whole year with this. I, I feel like a different person yeah. uh, with, I'm, I don't know how you feel. Like I'd like to hear some of the things that you've kind of reflected on over these, this past year or just new things that you have been doing that just has allowing you to grow. And, and I know that you're always working on your foundation of, of covering all your bases when it comes to this industry. Um, I'm honestly excited for it. Yeah. And uh, because at this point, you know, the boohoo stuff is over, you know, this is real, you know, we're moving forward, we're trying to figure out how, you know, we can follow our dreams, but also, you know, it's time to pay the rent, you know, we're dealing with a huge recession right now, and there's lots of unemployment in this industry. Um, but I'm excited to see 
how we can take all this knowledge that we've gained over the last year and how we can move forward to make shows better. Yeah. To make shows so much better than they were before, because there, there was a lot of times, you know, I know you and I've had experiences over the last decade of being a performer where, you know, we go into these venues and we realize things could be a whole lot better in here, yeah. you know, or, or the system that is in place is defunct. We need to figure out something that works better for the musicians and it works better for the audience and it works better for the workers and everybody that's, you know, involved in between that. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I, I see all those, I, those, you know, those memes of like, there's one the other day that was like, man, I, I can't wait to go back on the road and, and, and like travel to another city to play a show at a venue where I'm not welcome. Or <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody knows who you are. And yeah. It's like, people it's are like, waiting for you to get done. Yeah, it's so confused. Like, it's it. I've you know, and in in those moments, I'm just like, well, I'm just gonna do what I normally do and like try and put what I do out into the world. And you know, these people don't get it, but that's fine. I'm never gonna see them again, probably in my life. And if I do, then I made an impression. But that's I, I've gotten to a point too where like, you know, I because pr pretty early on, like you know, the, the biggest shift for me was like, you know, having to kind of catch up after two very busy months last year of like, I was, you know, doing the musical residency in Ludington and I was kind of back and forth, you know, like four days in Ludington weekends in Grand Rapids. I went to Nam for the first time and was like working with Cusack music and also like taking in that insanity <laughs> for the first time. And just, did you have earplugs? I did have earplugs. Nice. <laughs> as soon as I had them, like, I think I had a, the first day I just had a pair that were like, or no, I had my, um, my, uh, where are they? <laughs> and these, these eargasm ones. Nice. Yeah. Like I, I had them around my neck, like, oh, okay, I'll just kind of gauge and see. And you just, as soon as you walk in, walk in. in yeah. Uh, it's like, imagine every guitar center being next to every <laughs> club. It's like purgatory. Yeah, it's and then like for all of the, you just hear just like the noise. It's like the ambient noise is just kind of like, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that like. That's exactly the... right. Yeah, but that times about fifty. Yeah, and like a distant like. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure everybody on the podcast. Maybe not everybody knows the Nam show in Anaheim, California, is a trade show where they just have every single um, music instrument manufacturer and et cetera, et cetera, in the industry basically set up their New Year's models. Um, but for able to look good from a marketing standpoint, you want to have all these booths next to each other. But I think as an immersion thing, when you're actually in the room, you realize, wait, this is not actually the best idea to put 20 different drum set manufacturers within, you know, a quarter square mile inside of a tiny little, well, it's not tiny. It's actually giant. There's yeah. hundreds of booths, but it's funny when I was younger, I just remember looking at videos because I've always been like a, I'm a, I'm a gear nerd, at least for the drum stuff, especially drum stuff, just because I'm so interested in all that. But the older I get, I, the interests, that make me want to go to it then are not 
why I want to go to it. The interests that make me want to go to it now are for different reasons. <laughs> you know, like just the the like the outreach of all the musicians that are there and the educational side of things. But the sense of like going out to checking out the new gear and stuff it's like you don't really get to really even know what it sounds like because no you're trying a new instrument and next to you some marching band geek is crashing crash cymbals 20 feet from your head oh this got great tone you can you hear that boom 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 yeah and then like just see the intersection of like all the different like you know like i i just remember where the the cusack music's booth was um part of the delicious audio stomp box presentation booth thing so it was like next to a bunch of other pedal manufacturers but it was like it was like directly behind the the mark bass booth yeah so there was like one time i was walking by and they they were doing like a silent disco style where okay like in headphones which was cool cusack or mark bass uh both cusack was using they had all their pedals set up and then they had like a one of those like quilter you know di amp sim things okay i got you and they just plugged headphones in. headphones yeah um, you can actually hear it yeah and then the mark bass yeah they would just have guests performing with the equipment but it was all direct and um but it was it was interesting like you walk you know down whatever lane past whatever booths and just to there was a moment where it was like i was I was near like, you know, guitar and bass land and just being like, that's the music is wind guy. That's Jared Dines. That's like that dude, the Ichiko or the dude who like gets random tunings and just plays 30 second songs with goofy titles. That's Marcus Miller. <laughs> that's like, yeah, it's oh. everybody. Yeah. It's like, Oh, there's a guy filming a, a demo review for reverb. Like it's just this like cluster of like, like, you know, it, it. I feel like someone like Gary Vee would just be like, "There's so much hustling, yeah, <laughs> and grinding." It's, it's intense. It's such a a profitable, you know, entity for those for those markets. They have to go all out. They have to pull out all the stops. Yeah, they got to make. I kind of, I kind of want to like. There's a part of me that kind of like wants to troll it. Like, I want to show up in like a like a sumo suit or like something ridiculous. Like, uh, I don't know. You know. I don't know. You know, I'm a troll when it comes to like the the huge business stuff where they want people to take these things a little bit more seriously than, you know, how they might actually be. But man, it, I'm the same way. If so many musicians, the way that the way that you go to these things is you get with a, a company or uh, an artist, you know, kind of relationship with a manufacturer. And I, that's so amazing that you went. I remember when we went to QSAC um, a couple of years ago to oh, pick yeah. up a pedal, I think, for yourself. I can't remember. But we talked to the gentleman that is the, one of the designers. Yep. Yeah. He, he took, we went to his office and he was showing us like their version of like the freeze pedal. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember what that model was called. But I was like totally blown away. You know, being a bonehead drummer, you know, where things are primal and almost like caveman technology hit the thing this way and now you know yeah exactly yeah and you're done you're hired <laughs> but to see i've like familiar with like the freeze pedal and stuff but to go and see cusack it's really cool how advanced they are as a company 
And I've seen like, I've, you know, I've been watching like YouTube videos and plenty of YouTube videos for the last few months, but to see people using those on their rigs and stuff, it was pretty cool. I was like, Hey, they I've been there. there. I've been in that place. They're really nice fellows. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, I, I think of like the combination of like not taking that, taking Nam seriously and also being professional at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to go there and insult people. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no. Well, no. I, I, I just think of there's two <laughs> examples that stand out. Uh, you know, Thundercat, you know, in his, you know, I don't know if it was like a Gucci kimono and like Pikachu yeah. slippers with like a tiny little Pikachu backpack and his hair was all, you know, a messy braid, but with like the cat earmuffs. And then yeah. he's like next to an artist rep just walking around being like, oh, let's check out that spot. And then like you can just kind of push past all the, the noise and be like, hi, this is Thundercat and he's interested in I'm like, that's the way to go. Like, I yeah. wish I had someone just being like, get out of the way. He needs to do that. Yeah, it's waiting. so it's wild, very wild. The the other one was um, me and Caleb went to the uh, uh, Caleb Elzinga. We went to the um, Audio Technica display because he was going to look at uh, microphones. And while I was kind of you know I was kind of checking out stuff too, <laughs> I hear uh, you know I'm I'm like facing a you know, whatever shelf of gear. And behind me, I hear like, man, I really want someone to help me with this turntable. And I turn, I was like, who's doing that? Because it was like loud. And then I turn and it's Hannibal Burris. <laughs> it's like posse of people. <laughs> and one of them was kind of looking at me like, hey, you want to you want? And I was like, are you the guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I look at for the sales rep. I'm like, hey, it's, it's Hannibal Burris. <laughs> See, that's like, the <laughs> that's the most incredible story because that's the balance that the universe needs yeah. you know it's like going to guitar center you know you know i actually you know me i worked at guitar center for a little while when it, um a few years ago and somebody once said to me you know when it comes you know any big business you know any industry and specifically guitar center we were in there and somebody said to me you know never have i been so close and yet so far from the music. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, oh, straight to the gut, you know, because they're trying to sell things. That's hilarious that Hannibal shows up, you know, a non, I guess he uses like a looper pedal for his like jokes on his podcast. Yeah. So That's all you need to do is have such clout like that, that, you know, any company that makes a looper pedal is like, please, Hannibal, please. Well, and, and it was so funny that the sales rep, like when I mentioned the name, she was like, who? I'm like, uh, international <laughs> comedian, Hollywood actor right over there. signing oh, autographs. Oh, you don't know him? <laughs> like, you don't it's know just him. silly. Yeah, it's just yeah. silly. What, but it makes me think, too, that it's like, it's like, why does she need to know who Hannibal Burris is? She's like, a <laughs> no, exactly. Like, I, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I'm not gonna like falter for that, but um, I thought it was funny that <laughs> it just just those random encounters of like, you know, seeing these people out in the in somewhat of the wild, or you know, like being near the Hammond yeah. booth and like seeing Corey Henry walk by with like his little you know friend group, and mm -hmm. seeing I don't know Dower Jones playing with Doug Wimbush and Marcus Machado and and like. 
catching up with the ghost note people because they know me from founders and just kind of having that moment of like, I did do something. Yeah. I mean, cause I made there's, there's no, there's no other time during the year that you can just kind of get everybody together in the same place, you mm-hmm. know, pre COVID. But um, I, I never get people together ever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a house anymore. It's just all open spaces. It's the safest <laughs> element. <laughs> But uh, yeah, well, I guess to to think about um, not just reflecting on Nam, but um, you mentioned reflecting on what I was reflecting on this past year. Um, yeah, it it definitely like it hit me in like little chunks because there was like you know that first chunk of like, okay, maybe we'll be able to start doing shows again at founders. Cause I, you know, I hadn't worked a lot of shows during January and February. And then it was like, Oh, it's going to be here for a while. And you know, the founders team got furloughed and then eventually we got let go in August or October. And, um, like there's, you know, April was kind of like the limbo month of like, what do we, what do I, I just stay at home? Like, what do I want to do with my time? And part of it was kind of nice to have like, like, Oh, I don't have to like, you know, constantly be like, all right, I'm out super late. I'm up early. got to go out here, do a bunch of stuff, come back, do more things, work a show, play a show, be gone multiple nights out of the week. (laughs) It was nice to just like, Oh, I can sleep. Yeah. Like enjoy. Like I felt like I hadn't seen my house in a while and I was just like, Oh, this is a nice, like I can, I, I see my house and I can make it more comfortable. And then when I finally figured out unemployment, it was like, Oh, I can start to invest back in, into my stuff, like getting certain equipment. Yeah. And, you know, at the summer it was like reflecting on who as, as things started to open up again and there was more of like, you know, like, those kind of rumblings of like, Oh, there might be a show here like that we could play or this might still be on, but we don't know. Or like, Hey, let's take a, you know, let's go to the UP like earth radio folks. It was just like seeing who had done, you know, who had, who I could like interact with that I felt comfortable being around. Um, and, and kind of doubling down on those people, uh, And then, you know, reflecting on like, what does it mean to like work really hard if I'm just kind of pushing against a nothing wall (laughs) right now? It's like, why, like, what is, what is compelling other than, you know, like if we're trying to business as usual with like putting out a, a record and marketing it and all that stuff that doesn't really like last that long when there's no shows. So then it was like, okay, let's, what is, what is it, what, where does my time and attention go? And I don't focus on, you know, booking like crazy or trying to, you know, pump out a, an album or <laughs> like, where does my, where does my attention go? And that's kind of what led me eventually to like, get, get this office here. And then, cause I was, I was spending a lot of time coming here to do sessions or like working on things, um, learning more about the equipment in this in third coast and then uh also launching the patreon kind of just yeah. getting to the point where it was like i need to 
start investing in what I do um, because I know that like it was kind of like undoing that like you know that school mentality of like I always need to be working on something I need to be in like 15 million groups <laughs> and then that's how you get seen and now it's like I did all that and there will be the people who know what I do in that kind of in those spheres and I don't have to be as invested in a lot of different projects I can I can pick and choose what I want to you know exactly and my where i want to spend my time and so i feel like i in the last few months I've, i have a little bit more autonomy and like how i conduct each week versus like just kind of being <laughs> like you know flexible and maneuverable between all these different like skid schedules and people and <laughs> I, absolutely man that's that's one thing that i've thought about oh, very much so is you know, the, just the way that this industry has kind of shaped us as musicians, it has kind of gotten us to the point of being like, we needed to be doing all this work, but it leads up to the live event because that's the only way that we can really make money consistently. Yep. And so stretching yourself thin was kind of the name of the name of the game and trying to just fill up your time, fill up your time, do this, this, that, this, this that. And then you realize it's like, man, like I, I don't want to sound like a like pessimistic or anything, but just like a lot of that, just at least in my looking at my what I've been up to before, you know, the uh, the, the kind of the the change of 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 the world is, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I was kind of doing, and I couldn't tell you maybe exactly what about it was really bringing me to that, and I, there were certain things I was kind of confiding myself inside of. And when all that ended, I realized, wow, you know, now that I don't have this, I really do miss it. There's some things I really miss about playing with certain people and doing certain things. Yep. Um, but then there's other things. It's like, I never really wanted to be doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really maybe never my place to be and making space for yourself, you know, and for your own musical career. Um, and then having the time to really think about, you know, what do I need to do right now? Not just to survive and pay the rent, but how do I want to keep my voice, my musical voice going? And how do I want to keep this thing going? So, you know, as the progression continues and the world feels a little bit more comfortable and the, maybe the pandemic starts to go get, come into coming near a close, you know, we can, as musicians, we can really spend to spend more time and, and what we really feel like we need to do and, and instead of like maybe what we should be doing, you know, because I know I, 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 I've seen what, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you, you've been doing so much cool stuff over the years and playing with so many different groups. Um, but there's certain groups that I feel when I think of Dutcher and when I think of his sound, you know, I think of just maybe a couple of them that, have a lot of, of musical integrity there's like a lot of really cool aspects about that art and then i think of some stuff it's like oh that's like a you know he did that because you know it's good exposure and it's good money and stuff and you're killing it man you're killing it but i can tell that when we all went through this experience of completely cleaning the calendar and all that it seems like finally we can have some time to just ask ourselves like what do i want because the only thing that you're going to get out of it right now is enjoyment and and just connectivity of 
between you and your audience or through, you know, virtually, obviously, at, at most of the time, or you and your other musicians that are going through this together and all of your friends and family that are going through this together. So I just, I'm a firm believer of in order to bring new things into your life, you need to make space, you know, mm-hmm. where I think the industry before was, if I want to bring something new to my life, I'll just fit it in the crack there. I'll just put it here and yeah. maybe like, Oh, maybe I can do a rehearsal at two 30 on Tuesday, two 30 AM um, to three fifteen AM. You know, we can fit something in there, you know, but now it's like, I'm only going to do this because I like it. Yeah. Cause if I'm not going to be making money doing it, or if it's not going to lead me to a gig or to like some big uh, networking or exposure, like, why am I doing it? Yeah. It's so, it- it, yeah, it definitely refocused, like, it. I kind of felt like, you know, that feeling of, you know, being kind of partway through Grand Valley and, like, that that thing of, like, well, you know, I'm going to be graduating in two years. Like, what do I really like about what I've done, where I'm going? What things do I like about, you know, being in, in – in a music scene or interacting in a community and then like you know western was kind of this weird like cram all of the jazz into two years and and not really feel too i felt more connected to the people that were outside of the school than in the school Hmm. like there was there was a, a chunk of the you know that community that was great and you know i still interact and talk with them but there was you know I, there's a lot of people in Kalamazoo who they just, you know, they're, they're not afraid to just like kind of punch in the door with like what they really feel passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like that kind of scrappy, like, you know, like, Hey, you might, you might not understand what we're doing. You might not dig it, but we're going to, you know, create an, an environment for you to learn what we're up to rather than, you know, like, <laughs> hold some sort of like musical merit over people's heads and be like, well, you just don't, you just don't get it and you never will. So that's, that's your fault. It's not because I didn't teach you about it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like what you said before, you know, you can't, um, the only, the only thing you can ask of people is, uh, is to just give your music a chance. You can, you can't expect anybody to like it. Right. Um, you know, you, you can't ask somebody to like it. You just ask, somebody hey give it one chance and that's all you can really ask for and and like what you said when it comes to those musicians and those artists that are saying hey you know this, this might be a little bit different this is just a kind of what i've been working on i'm just going to go for it that's 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 where the music that we love and the music that we cherish and that we are inspired by that's where that comes from is that process of yeah just taking a chance and trying something for for the the arts the sake of the art and and not for the sake of oh maybe this fits a mold or maybe this is like this that and the other you know it yeah especially in an environment where like you know even in the previous 5 years music the or even 10 years like the the trajectory of how the industry works is ne- is has just you know it's it's light years removed from like you know, it's like, well, I want to get on a label. It's like, well, the reason why labels were even important, like, is not even relevant today. <laughs> like, exactly. unless, you're, unless you're at such a volume of, like, 
He's like, well, we need a warehouse for our merch and we need to ship <laughs> overseas. Like, okay, maybe seven people can't handle that. And maybe a label can help connect you with a distributor, but you could also go directly to the distributor. Exactly. It's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ownership that, you know, it, it, it comes with the, having that conversation of being like, all right, we don't want to, you know, compromise and it's going to, it's going to take a little bit longer, but it, there's going to be moments along the journey that are like, you know, that make it worth it rather than, you know, the, the model isn't just like, Oh, you either are starving and desperate or you're insanely wealthy. Yeah. Famous. <laughs> and it, it's interesting of how many people like kind of fantasize that like that is the reality. Yeah. That there's no, you know, working class musician. You know, a lot of people think that you're either like, I mean, I think America and a lot of American culture is kind of fetishized that where it's like you're like the struggling art first musician or you're like, you know, Bruno Mars or something. Yeah, the weekend or <laughs> yeah, you play the, the Super Bowl or whatever. <laughs> this is, yeah, exactly. You know, there's people need to understand that, like, you know, you the best way to do it nowadays is to independence yourself. And so you know, basically treat you, treat it like, you know, I'm sure this is what you talk about a lot, you know, on your show. And I know it's something that you're an expert in is, you know, being your own, you know, your own manager and being your own A&R guy and being your own producer and obviously being your own musician, you know, and taking control of your sound and your business and your finances and everything like that. So, and it's one thing that's like, we kind of forced ourselves to do in because the labels basically got to a point where it was like, you were either getting taken advantage of or they weren't doing anything at all. Yep. Which is kind of a form of taking advantage of you. Um, yeah. But nowadays it's like, really, if you want to do it right, you can independence yourself. And with all the technology and with all the resources, it's hard to get into it right away. You know, it takes a lot of experience to understand that there's a right way, a right and a wrong way of doing it. Um, but I, you know, I have, I have a lot of hope that we can kind of maybe go into like this new roaring twenties mm -hmm. starting maybe starting this summer. And then by next summer, it, we can maybe get the ball, ball rolling a lot more and we'll start to see the musician themselves take a lot more charge and the culture hopefully will follow that. And people will start to recognize that, Hey, this guy has never been on a label or like this person's very successful and they do, very much everything independently and that's totally fine and they're not crazy for trying to take on all this work on their own it's actually more efficient that way because yeah. they're able they're able to reap all the benefits and they're able to you know make all the money and stuff that, that that they're making it's not getting siphoned into these different you know live nation Tickmaster, and all these different places yeah you know, hopefully in the in the future the diy lifestyle for the working class musician hopefully will just get more strength and recognition and as we see these new venues opening up and people buying the old venues that have since closed, which, yep. you know, there's thousands of venues that are kind of waiting for a buyer and it, it, there's no guarantee that it might not even be a, a venue ever again. Um, I think a lot of places that are venues will be bought to become a venue once again, but I just hope that, um, and I, I, and you know, I'm pushing towards, you know, a, a new world, you know, culture where the DIY musician has more strength than they, they've had in the past. 
you know, where in the past people have fetishized the labels and the idea of like the, the, the giant tour bus and all this and the, yeah. you know, and like the signing bonuses. It's like, no, that's not real. It's, it's, it looks good on, you know, like the little Dickie TV show and it, and it looks good in the movies and in Hollywoods, but you know, people need to understand that, you know, we're just like everybody else. Like we wake up in the morning and we work and, you know, we work for paychecks and we work for each other. And we hope that, you know, people can, you know, come into the understanding that that's, that's normal. It's normal to be, you know, to work for yourself nowadays. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think of like, you know, this comedian, uh, Tim Dillon, has been yeah. fascinating to watch because he like he's such a like he's such like a cannonball of like you know he 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 just kind of talks to whoever and can kind of like turn these situ certain situations or subjects into really like funny but like you know thoughtful discussions and and sometimes he's just like you know wiling out and it's it's just hilarious to hear him rant sometimes but he like you know, he spent years growing a podcast and now he, he, I think he's up to like, he's almost up to like 20, 20,000 patrons a month, which is like almost, you know, like a hundred grand in money, like before the percentage is taken out by Patreon, but yeah. still it's like, it's successful know, ten, tens of thousands of dollars doing doing a thing that like you know he had he had spent years trying to pitch ideas and movies and specials and things to like conventional metrics and people just turning them down for one reason or another but you know the overarching thing of being like yeah we don't think this will like this what's the target market or what's the demo like who's going to invest in this and it's like apparently twenty thousand people yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like it's it's and that took him kind of, you know, his producer, Ben, kind of helped with the marketing side and, like, helping to package and, you know, send it out. But it, it took him, you know, the persistence of, like, being committed to a thing, understanding the medium he was working in, and then understanding how, you know, from the podcast that became more successful, other things can come rather than you know, still thinking like, well, once this podcast thing runs out, it's like, nope, he's, he sees where the, you know, this is my new starting point is this podcast. And now I can parlay the audience for that to do like a, like small tours or like, you know, TV appearances or funny sketches or whatever. Um, and that, that that's kind of how I feel with like, with music, like you could, you could spend all your time trying to chase like this is the trending sound like th this is what's happening now and it's it's like yeah you could you could link up with a producer to try and sound like the umpteenth copy of like you know one of the top hundred billboard artists that are popular right now but at the end of the day it's like is that just chasing a certain like what what is the utility is the utility in that just so that you can like have an audience that is also that person's audience or is it because you want to learn some of the techniques that make a person sound a certain way so you can adapt them into your own creative process because um, i think some people like chase after a certain sound or vibe or thing like oh I, I, you know because this is what's hot and this is what people are listening to and it's like yeah but 
you know, there's also people who are already like killing it in that space explicitly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to just kind of be a copycat is like, well, you know, it's fine, but it doesn't, I, I feel like it, you know, if you're really taking the time to be honest with how you want to create, maybe it still would sound like the people you enjoy just by proxy, but yeah, it comes from a better place than just yeah trying to rip off a sound to like, think that that's going to lead to an audience when I don't know it's like if someone's already being served you know like I don't know a regular can of coke then they don't like diet and then someone's like hey I make diet coke You're like okay cool but I don't I, I drink coke it's right here yeah <laughs> already enjoying it's been, it yeah it's already been proven to to function and I this is this is a kind of a topic change Sure. But um, kind of going off of what we've been talking about, and uh, I don't know if you've heard, I don't know how much if, if you follow it at all, um, but Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars announced that they're doing a record together. I was very pleasantly surprised to see that. <laughs> I Yeah, I was so surprised. I was like, wow. Um, but, like but yeah, it's because it's, it's like... You know, okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it, Dutcher. We're going to go there. Exclusive. I was, I mean, I'm mostly excited because yeah. one thing that I have been trying to to learn and trying to accept, um, especially over these past 12 months, is do not take energy out of your life to talk trash on anybody, especially musicians. You know, just because you don't like their music doesn't mean you need to take time out of your day to be like, you know, I don't like this. Like if you, if you're not interested, just let it go. But right. what was it, what was interesting about um, that album is it was, I kind of clicked in my head. I said, wait a minute. This is like my favorite R&B pop artist doing an album with my least favorite <laughs> pop artist. And, and and my me saying that as Anderson Pack is like I just love his music so much. Is it with Bootsy too? Yeah, they got him on the album, which is so cool. I just like I'm just not a big fan of Bruno's music, and um, I think it's just like a little bit too far in the pop spectrum for me. And um, it's I, yeah, it's it's like I see it. You know, it's the it's the like the 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 pop that you bust out at the wedding for the moms. <laughs> Yeah. Like Uptown Funk's going to give it to me. And that's, <laughs> I mean, I've, you know, we've all been there where Uptown Funk is, you know, that's kind of the, the song that is kind of the perfect blend of like the late 70s, early 80s funk and then like the print stuff. And then, you know, so I get what Bruno is doing. He's taking, we're living in this post MJ in this post Prince world and he's, he kind of filled that void. I'm going to do a similar thing. And, you know, he's going to try to do it his own way. Um, but I just, when I saw that, I was more excited for Anderson because I know a friend of mine showed me his music back in like 2016. I think this is like right when Malibu came out. You know, this is like after he changed his name because he was originally Breezy Lovejoy. He had a different sound and then he changed his name. It's like every step of the way, it seemed like Anderson has... The, his success has come from his hard work and it's super inspiring where I feel like with Bruno, he was all, he was always in the machine. He was always behind yep. 
the wall of producers. He's always behind the wall of the A&R team. Like, so when you listen, dance, like dude, you're 13, Bruno, like dance and do the thing. Like, yeah. And I get it. Cause like, you know, there's people out there that they want to be a pop star, you know, whether they write their own music or they, you know, they don't, you know, Bruno doesn't right. write his own music. People write it for him, but you know, I have a lot of respect for him just because he, that's something that he wanted to do. He wanted to be a pop star and now he's the biggest pop star in the yeah. world. It's other than like Drake or something, I don't know, just a different flavor, right. but I'm excited for Anderson because he's somebody that kind of has transitioned from a blue collar musician into this basically phenomenon. And he's done it through hard work and time and consistency. So for somebody like Anderson Pack to kind of start almost like, like a grassroots kind of musician and to be where he's at right now, it's beautiful, especially like, you know, being, you know, from his demographic and being from this in, in this generation where things are kind of, you know, the labels are trying to control certain things and then the DIY things are doing the other. He seems like he just has completely his own vibe. So I'm super excited for the album. I think it's going to be cool. And um, this, it totally caught me off guard. I was like, this is crazy. Who would have thought that Anderson would get so successful? Yeah. Good job, Andy. If you're out there, I'm proud of you, Andy. <laughs> Donate to the Dutcher's uh, Patreon if you don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, donate. I I don't have the best teeth in the game, but I have yeah, same. I have some teeth. I got the I got the average teeth in the game. <laughs> I uh, I don't have a, a a period before my last name. Yeah. I don't know if this. <laughs> but no, I I was thinking of that with um. Do you follow uh Toby and Wigwe at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Like Definitely. I have no idea where he came from. I just saw like, you know somebody in kind of the black american music you know the the people who are like this person check it out and then you're like whoa like the the thematic material like involving his family in a lot of it or all of it <laughs> and like the the dancing the 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 interesting kind of production on the on some of the beats that you know i don't listen to a ton of like you know current hip-hop it's usually like a blending of like you know it's hip-hop elements in like this style or it's like you know the opposite like a hip-hop artist borrowing from you know certain other sampled music or styles or vibes and i you know i don't listen to a lot of like different types of beat makers i would say i've only been recently in like seeing the behind the curtain with some of these Instagram follows, but um, yeah, to just like see everything come together and like the consistency and like, he's just putting things out involving cool people and like the presentations always just a little bit different or like, you know, the clothing, there's, mm, there's yeah. kind of underlying the, message through everything. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no just, it, it, it just, it seems like it just has authenticity. It feels authentic. You know, I think humans are, you know, we're often, uh, you know, we're especially in the 21st century, we're often kind of tricked and swayed one way to, to make people think that they are authentic or to think that, you know, we're supposed to think that this artist's music is truly their story. It's truly their art, you know, where things are can be pretty deceiving sometimes. But it seems like with Tobey, it's like, that's definitely him. Like when you're listening to his interviews and you're watching his music, it's like, I'm, you know, my favorite, my favorite artists 
are the ones that like I feel like that they they're telling their own story. You know, it's not like the talent show. It's not like a cover band, like yeah. Mars. But <laughs> I mean, you know me, man. I'm just a snobby old man when it comes to the pop music. I pick and I pick and choose my pop artists. Yeah, and that's that's something I've you know I I do the same thing where you know my family, I I have to remember that not everyone even even like you know the little things like the you know with the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> the oh. some of the commercials like there was the there was like the, sorry the, there is the <laughs> Grubhub I think of two commercials there's the Grubhub commercial where it's just like music's playing and these like you know dollar store pixar animations are like you know kind of just doing nothing like just gyrating and moving like <coughs> they're not real people because they're not re it's just a machine and then there's no there's no like advertising of the service it's just like they're dancing with food and then grubhub and then it's like colors and like they're just dancing <laughs> and i just hear like someone I don't know who said it was someone's like oh look at that they're just so funny and i'm like this is like what did the what is this <laughs> grubhub is like like what got like you know publicly like shamed and like had problems with you know like supplementing drivers you know hourly wages with customer tips and like you know closing off certain like you know benefits that they could have had as you know during the pandemic and and a lot of the restaurants don't make money off those services and it's like is this really all that it takes <laughs> to, to sway your opinion positive it's just like <laughs> let me do this <laughs> and and then the other one was the the bruce springsteen jeep commercial where I didn't catch that one though <laughs> it starts with like bruce springsteen in like a chapel and he's like he names some town in like Arkansas or something. He's like, this is the middle. This is where everyone comes out. And, and it's the center of the country. And, and you know, it's been a hard time to get to the middle these days. seems <laughs> like it's I'm like, wait, this is a political commercial. <laughs> yeah. And then like, he's like, we could all stand to come together as red, white, and blue coming together in the middle. And then it like cuts and it shows like, jeep grand cherokee i'm like yeah. what oh, what <laughs> so i have to buy a jeep to like solve to feel, yeah, to feel political discourse or something yeah yeah i think i mean especially oh man especially now more than ever you know and especially young people who are in school right now and you know more than likely learning getting their education you know through a computer or remotely yeah. you know now more than ever do you have to question people's authenticity and you have to question people's motives and you have to question the the legitimacy of things that we see because it you know as we know now you know bad news travels six times faster than than the truth or yep. the uh, lies or you know it's been the year of watching you know the, the social dilemma and whatnot and, and starting to just understand more that it's been you know over a decade in this new kind of media world of how to decipher things and how to question and, and to form hypotheses, you know, don't just take it in, don't just take information in because it's convenient and because it's right in front of you, but you have to really stop and question pretty much everything nowadays because it seems like, you know, there's more not out there nowadays than there is the truth. 
And I think that can also, I mean, that's just like with everything and that can bleed into music too, of, you know, the music industry and how music is used as a, a marketing tool or it's used to sold products or the artists are used to sold products or lifestyles or whatever it may be. So. Yeah. And when you're talking about manufactured authenticity, I think of like, you know, some of these like bigger, like, you know, YouTube celebrities or TikTokers or like these people who just have like, like, you know, Charlie D'Amelio is like, you know, she's a teenager, so I'm not going to, you know, just sit here and berate a teenager, <laughs> but like she has the most, the most followers on TikTok, like 80 million or some crazy number. I think, yeah, it's more than that. 180 million. It's I don't like know. It's like hundred billion or something. hundred. Just kidding. <laughs> There's uh more six, than there are yeah, people. 60 on the <laughs> It's like a hundred billion. It's like it's, how many people are in the solar system? Yeah, I think um, you're right. Is a hundred million? Yeah, it it's it's more than it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people to the point of like, you know, even if you don't follow her, you have to have some idea of like that in that space, or you don't. You don't have to worry about any of it. But um, I just think of like you know, for her, it's like. Uh, and other, you know, like the Paul brothers or like, you know, people who give quote unquote access and it's like they have like these sort of casual vlog style presentations of their houses or, you know, whatever. And it's and it's supposed to be like, see, it's just, we both have houses. We're like we're like the same person. Like, I just, oh, man, isn't life crazy? And it's like, yeah, but your room is bigger than my house. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's that's already like a difference <laughs> of. Mm -hmm of life and then like i don't know people like the ace family who are like they made a video of like oh no our problem our house oh we have a problem with our new house is like oh no it's a problem is like oh the floors aren't done yet and it's you know it's like an 11 million dollar like giant mansion yeah <laughs> like don't you hate it when you can't move from one mansion to the other mansion because in the other mansion you have like all your floors being done and <laughs> perfectly comfortable luxury mansion you're like sick of it <laughs> yeah so it's weird to see like you know people try to brand authenticity and it, and in the music space it's like you know people try to the not just brand authenticity but like access i guess um they or they try to gatekeep access um you know i've gotten any million of different like hey check out this free pdf of a thing that will lead you to try and buy my three thousand dollar course it's like but we don't have any money yeah <laughs> like you're in an industry with no money like do you want a dad who works in finance to like learn about how to sell t-shirts for his like his you know his hobby band <laughs> like like, is that, is this the, mar he can afford a $3,000 class, but <laughs> it's like most people are having to learn it from like, you know, their, their, their friends and their community. And I, I actually just earlier was talking with L Lively uh, for this podcast. And we were talking about like the, the slogan that the Michigan Music Alliance has kind of adopted on a new t-shirt, the um, collaboration over competition um, to try and emphasize the fact that even with like, you know, like Detroit, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Traverse City, the UP, like all different music scenes 
all different parts of the Michigan music scene. Everyone can learn from each other. Everyone can like, you know, facilitate like a healthy ecosystem. It doesn't have to just be like, you know, weird gatekeeping or weird, yeah. weird vibes or, you know, like GR Noir is going to be working with other jazz venues like Dirty Dog Jazz Cafe and, you know, the Blue Llama and, and just kind of seeing like how they can facilitate like an artist comes into Michigan, they get an experience of the east side and the west side of the state rather than trying to, you know, put a radius clause and be like, you got to pick one because most people are going to pick Detroit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that's that's a really I think that's a really good point that what you and Al were talking about is, you know. And I mean, I've said this ten times already, but it's something that's been ex you know exponentially exposed because since the pandemic has started is how competitive this music scene, and it makes you think about why it's so competitive. You can say that has you know everything to do with like you know, like you know modern capitalism and stuff like that, and just the idea of of being a young American and trying to get all that you can get before somebody else gets it, you know, yeah. Um, but one thing that we realize is, you know, now that there's no shows and there's, and there's, you know, you, you're long term periods of isolation and yep. you realize, man, the only thing that we have is each other. And I know it's like, it's a cliche thing to say, but it's like, there's no, no more kind of truthful thing than that is that, you know, music is, is a reason that, you know, it's a language that brings us together. It's really just a chance for us to be able to share something very deeply and it's something that I hope in the future that we don't have, because I know that you've seen generations older than us, mm -hmm. musicians in their 40s and 50s, you know, in Michigan, you know, when you go and you, you go to their show and you're hanging out and you're talking to them, oh, they're, oh, good to see you, man. Oh, what's up? What's your name? Blah, blah. And they're very warm and they're very welcoming. And then as soon as they find out that you have a gig at the same venue or... <laughs> you're getting both booked for, you know, whatever, then they feel threatened. That's the first. They're like, Hey, thing. don't take this from me. It's like, I've not, this wasn't me taking it from you. And that it goes, it goes so deep, man. It's very unfortunate that we deal with this in this modern era because it affects, it affects women in the industry. It affects minorities in the industry so deeply. And it, there's so many, uh, you know, kind of issues that have been, kind of built up to this point and i'm you know i'm just trying to look for different ways that we can kind of change people's attitudes to say if we share this musical experience with everybody everybody's gonna make the money everybody's gonna come out but if everybody's pushing each other down to get on top if everybody's slicing each other and and trying to undermine each other just so they can get you know a hundred dollar gig yeah it's it's gonna show that kind of energy shows just the same thing with the authenticity thing people you know need to give themselves more credit that they can recognize you know when a vibe is is not supportive to everybody you know when they go to a show and there's a vibe a vibe in the sense of uh like a, a non-positive vibe i should say of somebody right. kind of giving you funny looks or not letting certain people participate for yeah. who knows what reason hopefully it's not yeah. something you know destructive but I, yeah i i i've been thinking about this quite a lot of of now that you know we've kind of clean slated a lot of this stuff 
is there a way that when we ease back into this industry that we can make sure that it's more inclusive than it's ever been, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just sell inclusion as a marketing technique, but to really be inclusive, like to actually involve every type of person in this musical experience. And then we can really enjoy it the way that music and performance and art should be enjoyed and not just be like some, you know, country club for, you know, rolling on the river or free bird or whatever, you know, sweet Caroline. <laughs> sweet, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, there's every generation when you come into this industry, um, it's so much easier to imagine yourself doing something. If you've seen somebody else like yourself do it. Yep. And so if you're a musician coming up in the eighties and you're looking at the, the people that came up in the seventies and they, they're very aggressive about who can participate and who can't. That's going to be your education. That's going to be what you understand is how this industry works. And you might even believe at the end of the day that there's only, you know, you could spread the cookie between a couple of different peoples, or you can take the whole thing for yourself and think that it's going to be a positive experience. But I think our generation, I would hope, you know, is at least that I've been trying to talk to people during the pandemic and, and see how people feel about it. And because yeah. things are so DIY right now, it seems like now more than ever, we can finally start to be more inclusive, you know, in the industry. And if we do that more, there's going to be more venues. There's going to be yeah. more people coming to see live music. There's going to be more opportunities and there's going to be more money. So the next generation after this, hopefully we'll see, Hey, being a musician isn't such a crapshoot anymore. You know, there is ways of, like we said, you know, being a, you know, a working class musician and, and putting in perspective that it's totally possible to have everybody come on and join in, in on this experience and not feel like you're getting something taken away from you. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely, yeah, I, I agree that with the clean slate comes like, you know, these discussions that have kind of been under the table or like behind closed doors are, you know, it's like, now you there there has to be that kind of that reckoning of like yeah you know like what does it mean to like you know not just be inclusive but also be you know honest about what you're doing with the skills you have and the career you're building and the people you're interacting with um as a whole because i think a lot of you know people that tend to gatekeep are the ones who have you know they don't see people they see you know like another key to open a door to yes. more access and then when they get that key they just toss it away like all right I'll yes or behind me and keep going <laughs> and and it's like it's it's frustrating with um you know i <laughs> i i also like you know i being known more in the last couple years is having like multiple you know like doing a little booking or doing like performing, recording, like all these different things. There are people who, you know, they see me as, and I felt it especially in the last like year where some people I've had, you know, good, honest discussions with about like what, how to navigate certain things, how to work on things. And then other people who just want me to, you know, you know, they hit me up like, Hey, could you do booking for me? And it's like, 
okay, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's what's so pre- like? What is happening right now? That is like exactly we're gonna book. And then on the other hand, it's like that's just you passing off like this time consuming thing to another person rather than like, and, and it's always from people who I don't really have like, you know, a strong consistent relationship in in the music scene it's always people who see that i'm doing something and they want that little piece of pie or they want that access and i don't even have a lot of it i've I've gotten more of it in the last three years working at founders and like getting connected with another music scene and like you know being involved in more public facing projects um and and now it's like (laughs) It, it, you know, I don't want to gatekeep the information and access and knowledge, which is partly another reason why I started these podcasts. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, we're, I'm talking with people who have other experiences, shared experiences. We can get to the bottom of like certain problems, but I'm not going to like, you know, drop everything I'm doing because like you want to throw like, you know, music business buzzwords at me to try and like trick me into giving up my time. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. It's like all those like spam profiles on Instagram. That <laughs> yeah, it's that's really yeah, what it is. Promo guitars, like I don't know you, and no. <laughs> yeah. Please. And and like what you said, now that there's no gigs, those people that might try to exploit you, because you have been doing such a good job, Dutcher, at like creating something and creating opportunities for yourself and for your network. Mm-hmm. That now, that there aren't gigs those people that were normally coming knocking trying to get a handout from you they don't come around anymore because they're maybe not they don't they're not actually interested in you you know and that's that's kind of one of the positives i've I've been trying to really keep track of a lot of these positives that have come from these last 12 months because as much as there's a lot of very very terrible things happening right now and it is a hard time there are a lot of very cool things happening right now and that's that's one of the many is, is you start to really understand, you know, who is really in your circle and who is really, who's really out for your, for your, for your best interests and for your art and not just out there trying to, trying to bend this or that so they can, you know, get their foot in the door and do this, you know, or do a show or try to exploit your resources, you know, for their own benefit. Yeah. Yeah. you know, one thing that that's happened in recent weeks with GR Noir opening and, you know, I, I played all those sets out of, it wasn't me going, Hey, I need to, can I book four sets? <laughs> it was the business owners, you know, I had already built somewhat of a rapport with them over the past year because I had been talking with them when they had, the building hadn't even been constructed yeah, yet. And right. I was like getting in those conversations early and then, you know, things kept getting pushed back. We tried to do it in the fall, but then restaurants shut down again. And they needed, you know, because it was such a short time from like getting the okay to open on February 1st to getting the business ready to open on that day. They just, you know, they wanted music for the opening week um, to fill as much time and space as they could in these two hour chunks. And that's where I ended up getting four slots was because, they needed two on the opening day and then they needed, you know, they wanted to do a trio and another solo thing. And I just happened to have those days free. And some people took that as like, 
like oh he must be like he must be booking for them or something so i've had people ask me like hey can like can i get into gr noir i'm like i don't book there (laughs) it Mm -hmm. says on the website and on their facebook who to contact so it's yeah it's like i'm not that you know i i i know some people in endearingly and jokingly are like you know, like we're in the studio and I don't have a written part and I just play something. It's like, there's the Dutch or magic. You made the, <laughs> it's on the track. <laughs> like this earth radio single, I did an organ solo that was just really goofy, but it, it, uh, David Ward was actually pulling all the stops on the, on the B3. <laughs> <laughs> not like in real time. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't, I kind of know what to, I'm not going to try and do it myself. Like I just want to, you know, play something crazy just to try it. And it's cool. Um, but then I think other people think the magic is like, oh, if I just know Dutcher, then that means I get into these certain circles. And it's yeah. like, n- n- no, <laughs> not necessarily. Like, I want people to feel comfortable approaching me about stuff, but I also don't want people to think that it's, you know, like I'm I'm going to work as hard as I do for the people who've already invested time and energy mm-hmm. in me. Yeah, you're people. To, yeah. Like, yeah it's it's not not compared like if you're if you're coming with no value in terms of like you know what you're how you're interacting with the scene how you're you know like how you're focusing on your your work and art and being honest about it like it's hard to put that same amount of energy into <laughs> into that kind of you know relationship it it feels very one-sided so mm-hmm. I've, yeah it takes two tango yeah, the power of the word no. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Great. and that's and that's something that we've all learned a lot about is saying no or, or receiving no's this year. Of you know, can we do this? No, you know, is this going to work out? No, you know, but it makes you realize that when you get all these no's, when you finally get the yeses, it's for the stuff that you know you're gonna be you're gonna be spending enough time doing that trying to get the yeses for the projects that you really care about and for the people that you really care about you know and so getting that this all this sense of rejection this year has kind of shifted things and make you and like you said earlier in the podcast is you know you're kind of coming into just your 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 real homies your real musical family and doubling down with them because those are the people that are going to be there not just when things are de- or, or when they're great, but they're going to be there for you when things like right now, like when things yeah. are are not that great and you can't expect to make money from this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when things start to get better, it's fun. Those people might kind of come out of the woodwork again, but just, a, you know, it's a true reminder that it's about the hard work and the relationships. That's why we do this music thing. Yeah. You know, if you had to play solo gigs every single night, I don't know if I could speak for you, Dutcher, but it it might get a little strange after a while. It's like so much of this music has nothing to do with the individual. You know, it has so much to do with what other people are doing around you. And that's where the magic's at. And it carries yeah. over into the business. And like, I've, you know, I like solo gigs here and there for like, you know, it gives me a chance to like, especially since most times it's like a a mixed like background sort of feature gig it's not like me booking a night of like you know solo piano at a venue um or you know even like the listening room it's like i get to try i get to try things i get to you know yeah work on things that i want to bring into a group 
Um, yeah, and for this, and then for the socially distanced too, it's just so much of a safer environment too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ideal. When and yeah, like uh, you know, speaking of like who's in your corner, like with you and the Rainbow Seekers, like you guys mm -hmm. do a lot of work behind the scenes that you know most people probably aren't privy to because they see the final product and it's all you know shiny and colorful and you know it, it's like oh it's gonna go with a new album or like a new tour or like all this stuff and you know they're not in those conversations where like there might be some disagreement that needs to be worked out or there might be some like you know like a, a song that's not quite finished or like you're trying to put the finishing touches and it's like those moments you see who's like it's like okay even though we were frustrated like we still figured like we navigated these types of waters and it's it it strengthens like those those bonds of like who you're making music with oh yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what it's all about because it's never it's as as a family of musicians as a, as it could be a band or a group of musicians it's never about the challenges that you face that defines you it's about how you choose to overcome them mm -hmm. you know it's you know because you could face all that you know it could be the easiest thing in the world to work together with a musician oh you agree, you agree on everything but that's just not the reality of how things work you know what makes these family units and these bands these successful bands so good is that no matter what challenge they're facing or no matter what situation they're going into or what differences they have you know it's it's the willingness to work it out and it's the willingness to to come together and to find a, a healthy medium for something that works for everybody you know that's what is the the big strength factor for for successful groups and artists yeah because you guys i mean i saw the one post about like somewhere in colorado but like you guys have a little bit of a you know you're starting to figure out where you can plug in and see fans in other parts of the country and figure yeah. out all that. You it's know. a, it's a very interesting experience. Um, to be honest, um, well, first of all, I, I just need to say that we are all extremely excited for it. If nobody shows up to the shows, that's all right, because we're going to be together and we're going to be playing tunes again. And that's, you know, that's what we want to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't want people to come to the shows that they feel uncomfortable, but we do want people to know that, you know, we're going to be taking the most precautions, you know, that we can take to make sure that we create an environment that people feel comfortable and they can share in this music. And that's what, that's what a show is about. You know, it's not about throwing yourself into a mud pit if you don't want to be there, you know? Right. So yeah, that was there before COVID. It's like yeah, you don't have to our... be in the pit if you're not ready to get like thrown around. But if you want to go in the pit, it's waiting for you. But yeah, I here give me one second here, Dutcher. I uh... um so we did we decide we um we were originally gonna do some shows. The Rainbow Seekers were gonna do some shows um in Texas. There's an outdoor venue that's kind of like an outdoor bells kind of space where they have indoor dining, but like kind of an outdoor beer garden. Um, oh, nice. And so there's a couple places in Texas uh, that we were going to do in the fall. Um, but I'm sure, as you know, when everything was getting canceled, um, 
it's always better to opt to reschedule than it is to cancel. Yep. Because, you know, if you just cancel, you know, you're kind of back at ground zero. You know, you don't, you might not even get your chance to play a show there again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we opted to reschedule these shows back into tech. And te- this is like, a you know, months ago. Um, but we rescheduled them to the end of April. Not really knowing, you know, where the world would be and where the, and uh, how the progression of the virus and how the progression of the vaccine would be. Um but we feel confident that by the end of April, um, every single show that we're going to be doing through a th- three-week tour is going to be outdoors at most 50% capacity. Um, we're going to, as, a, as the band ourselves, um, you know, we accept that we won't be able to really interact with anybody. You know, if we're going to a city that has friends in, in those cities, you know, we'll be able to see, say hi from the stage and, you know, they'll be able to see the music and we'll interact musically, but we won't be able to really interact, uh, um, um, phys- you know, physically after the show or hanging out and stuff like that, which is going to be tough, but, you know, we under- we have our priorities, right? You know, if not hugging somebody means, you know, keeping your health, you know, and the health of the band, then, hey, no, no problem, you know. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do what we need to do to make sure that people feel comfortable and, and we were able to do successfully for the Muskegon shows. It was a learning experience and we're taking that knowledge and we're going to take it on the road. Um, so yeah, last three weeks of April, um, we're doing uh, Dallas, Houston, and Austin, the 16th through the 18th of April. Um, and then uh, we go to Nashville, the 21st of April, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Friday the 23rd of April and Saturday the 24th at Charleston, South Carolina. And then the third week is going to be Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Wednesday the 28th, Thursday the 29th in Asheville, North Carolina. And then we're going to end the tour um, April the 30th at um, Woodlands Tavern in Columbus, Ohio. They have an outdoor venue. So all these are going to be outdoor venues. They're all going to be at most 50% capacity. A lot of these venues have never even had an outdoor space. So yeah, everything is Woodlands, like, where is there? Yeah. They, they, so there's, they've, when they do the St. Patrick's day stuff, they've had a tent in the back and they've also have like this, I think a parking lot just to the side. Oh, um, okay. Yep. And so um, we're going to be doing the tour uh, with a band from St. Louis Obispo Proxima Parada, which we played with them once before in Denver, Colorado. They're a great, bunch of guys they have really a really good really good sound and uh um, a lot of the people that listen to us on spotify you know their name kind of comes up too so we're kind of in the same wheelhouse and whatnot so yeah yeah we're going for it i mean it's still it's still about six weeks out and as a band we still have a lot to talk about as far as um we're gonna we're gonna be like bringing some cooking supplies so that way for we can uh, eliminate having to go inside buildings for meals mm-hmm. um airbnbs mostly. airbnbs mostly maybe some hotels but we're going to try to do airbnb so we don't have any uh human human contact yeah. um so it takes and then a little bit easier too and mm-hmm. and then we'll be getting tested regularly throughout the tour you know obviously and we'll get tested before and then we'll get tested uh before we get home mm-hmm. um yeah and we're just going to try to you know we're just going to try to go out there and just uh and play some music the best way you know that we know how and um 
give people an opportunity. I think there's, I've seen some, I I'm thankful that I think we're, I'm really thankful that the rainbow seekers, like we have a good amount of fans um, sprinkled across North America, United States. Um, but we're not, you know, at all like Phoebe Bridgers or anything you know, like something like that where they, they can't play shows. It's just too big. Yeah. It was too many people that would show up. It's, it's just not the right time. Like I'll um, be one of the hundred people and then yeah. people show up. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're, we're a good, we're, you know, we're a good size family and good side band that, um, you know, it's going to be the right time. And in the South, it's going to be, you know, warm weather and, and sunny most of the time. And so anything we can do to minimize. And then when the time is right in Michigan, we're going to try to go back to the Muskegon um, venue, the deck in Muskegon. Hopefully we can do some shows like that in May. Um, we have some outdoor shows in Colorado and also in May. Um, and then we're, we just announced we're going to be playing summer camp in August. Oh, nice. Um, summer camp is usually it's earlier Memorial Day weekend. What's that last one of May? Yeah. It's the same weekend as like movement and oh, like, yeah. yep. um, but they moved all that to August. So, um, that's one of those things that we can very much, we have very much have a good chance of all getting vaccinated too by midsummer. And we're trying to, to look at opportunities and, um, you know, I just, I actually just learned, um, I've been learning about the vaccine that, um, once the uh, vials of vaccine are taken out of the deep freeze, like the Pfizer and the Moderna um, vaccine, you have six hours oh. for the vaccine to be administered. So what's happening in lots of places across the United States right now is um, people will schedule a vaccine and then they'll cancel the day before and day of. And so at the end of the day, there'll be leftover doses. And if they aren't taken, they, get, they have to be thrown away. Yeah, I've heard um, too, like just people... You know, whether it's like, you know, yeah, it's like a, a it's people who, for whatever reason, canceling or like, you know, yeah, it just, it just affects the, the whole chain of like, you know, okay, that's now not just you missed an appointment. It's a vaccine had to be thrown away. So yeah, one has to take its place. And, he, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a firm believer that people over 60, um, people with pre-existing medical conditions, you know, they need to be the first ones in line. Um, but also at the same time, um, you know, there's 300 and how many million people in the country. And as we know with any system in America, electronic online system, there's going to be flaws left and right. And so there's a lot of people that are having this idea of standing for solidarity of, um, I, let's say like, you know, I qualified to get the vaccine, but, um, you know, like my mom hasn't gotten her qualification yet. Is there a way that I can not get my vaccine and so she can get it instead? The system that they set up for these vaccines is, does not work like that at all. That the easiest thing for the system and for you is if you get qualified for the vaccine, you need to get it as soon as you can <laughs> and because if you get the vaccine then not only are you not able to get this virus but you're much much less likely 
or I should say you're much, much less likely to get the virus, but you're also much, much less likely to transmit the virus to somebody else. Hence, maybe like your mother or like a family member or friend that has a, a, you know, like an immunity disorder or something like that. So people just need to have the understanding, I believe, that if there's an opportunity for you to get it, get it. And if there are people that you know that still haven't gotten this vaccine yet, there are ways for you to help. I mean, if that means driving them to, to, the, to the vaccination site so they can get it, if that means that they have trouble uh, with technology or computers and they might need your help making some phone calls and setting up an appointment, there's so many, there's so many different uh, ways. Like I know a couple of people have been volunteering at vaccination sites and been helping people out um, in that way. So that, like, I think people need to not have the attitude of I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to kind of wait for it. No, like anything you can do to get this is going to be better for your neighbor. It's going to be better for your peers. It's going to be better for your friends and your family. And it, it's really, it's really the answer that I believe is how we're going to get closest to be able to move forward and to be able to minimize um, the you know, the deaths, the catastrophic deaths that we've been experiencing from this virus. Um, yeah. It's so yeah, definitely, um, you know, obviously I don't need to take the time to say, Hey, you know, wear your mask because I think I would hope that everybody knows, you know, to wear your mask and to socially distance and don't go to the bars if you don't need to go to the bars right now. But in a couple months, as the sun starts, sun starts to shine more in Michigan. And if you live in other places in the country where there's outdoor seating and outdoor venues, you know, I think I do believe that you can go out and you can participate um, in live music, you know, once again. Like I just saw um, a video of Jameson Ross. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite drummers, a drummer from New Orleans, uh, very prolific jazz drummer, but he's also like he can do anything. He plays funk. He plays groove stuff. He plays for Snarky Puppy. Um, he just played a gig with a vibraphonist, Warren Wolf. Oh, yeah. Just started following him. <laughs> totally safe outdoor. It was like a tented space. I mean, it's just, I think I have accepted that in the next four months, depending on where you live in the country, I think you can start going out. Now, if there's a venue that's like, hey, you can come. We don't, you know, you don't need to wear a mask. It's like, no, you need to, like we talked about before, you need to be critical of these things. And if there's venues that, you know, are not adjusting any, like in the middle, of nowhere they're not caring about mass you need to make the decision to get out of there but there are places that are doing exactly what they need to be doing to make safe environments in the outdoors and i think that's that was an idea that was kind of inside a lot of fear in people when the when the vaccine was ramping up back in october um you know for somebody like me i took it very seriously um and i still take it very seriously but now as we're getting closer to um, summer and the vaccine is being spread out more and the virus is being, uh, the cases have been going down, I think we can start to think about how to uh, find ways of kind of getting the, the ball rolling, you know, so. Yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, man. It's like, I think all I needed was just um, something to look forward to. Um, that's something that was such an issue is when things were just so up in the air and our friends and our family were getting sick and, you know, God, for some, some people were, you know, unfortunately, you know, had to pay the price from this. It's just like so terrible. It was so hard to get excited about anything. 
Yeah. The only thing you could really be excited about was, you know, maybe your Netflix account or, you know, ordering to go ramen and enjoying like a, you know, you kind of make yourself feel like, you know, you're doing the things that you like to do, but in the safety of your own home and doing cool hobbies and stuff like that. But now I feel like we can, we can start to um, really see in perspective the possibilities of, of doing smaller shows. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. um, Yeah. A lot of, lot of good advice. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just kind of, I know I kind of went on a rant there and this is something that, you know, it's always ongoing and my opinion changes because I'm trying to understand more about this situation and I'm trying to understand more about, you know, who is doing the right stuff and who is spreading incorrect information and who is maybe um, indifferent, indifferent, you know, maybe who's just not taking, maybe not looking. I mean, I'm not talking like full blown QAnon stuff. You know, we don't need to go, we don't need to go there, you know, <laughs> but just, <laughs> I think people need to understand that if you wear your mask and if you wash your hands and if you're getting tested regularly, you know, you can still do some of the things that you like to do. And there's ways of supporting businesses and artists that is a productive way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may not be, you may not be able to get to the front row at St. Andrews quite yet. And that is okay because we're not ready for that, but there, you can, you know, maybe go get a beer, you know, in Grand Rapids and watch Dutch or Seneca play, you know, with a trio in a room with, a, you know, 15, 20 people, yeah. you know, and if people are being safe and if people are being responsible, but then that comes back to the whole conversation of you know, which has kind of been the curse of the American people is in this country, you know, there's this kind of disease that people think that, oh, you know, you can't tell me what to do. And, you know, I'm the captain of my own ship. And, and really what it comes down to is just a lack of empathy and a a lack of respect for your neighbor. You know, there's people out there that, you know, aren't putting anybody else's feelings or lives into consideration. And it's, and it's, and that's why we're, we're dealing with all these deaths, unfortunately. Yeah. It's uh, like people who, you know, they, 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 they somehow think that, you know, everyone wants to feel like they're, you know, Mr. Special and Mr. You know, <laughs> like, you know, I, I think of like old talking points of like snowflakes go back to like, People were talking, say, like Tucker Carlson was saying that about Mr. Rogers. He's like, who's this guy making kids feel like they matter? I'm like, why are, why are you yelling at Mr. Rogers? And like, now it's like, you know, it's, it's a, a generation of people who have, who think like, you know, it's like, where's my freedom? It's gone. My freedom is gone. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, is, are you talking about like the Patriot Act and like increased surveillance? Are you talking about Citizens United and the money going into politics? No, I'm talking about you can't just you can't tell it like it is anymore. I'm like, what are you trying to talk about? What do you want to talk about? There's yeah. literally podcasts about sex like uh, that are public. <laughs> like yeah. you could talk about there's people who have like careers in very niche 
things talking about niche things and you're saying like you can't they're just my freedom like what do you what do you mean like are you just not happy with like your current you know well-being and state of living are you still like you know like what about you know what about your situation is like causing these feelings and i think some people had a reflection moment over the past year of like what you know if if things are you know gone or certain habits you you've had are gone like what what is your personality it is your personality a place that you go to or is your personality the people you go to that place with like yeah because there's so many people who like you know literally if like they're you know grown adult human beings where they if they they couldn't go to their favorite bar and they couldn't you know like see a football game they'd go attack the governor yeah <laughs> like that's and i'm like I, my whole industry's gone and i didn't yeah. do that <laughs> like i just said like well time to adjust it's the new digital normal like figure mm -hmm. it out and then that just is the nature of being in a creative field where you're, you're always trying to have to like take what you're doing and like adapt it to your environment or like take what's in your environment and adapt it into your art and you're never feeling super stable and and but you're always also your goals are changing and and who you're working with changes and yeah. you know it's a very dynamic field rather than you know like it's like really you like you couldn't just drink it with your buddies at your house like yeah. on the porch or something like was it really like <laughs> is that is that where freedom dies is like you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't do three things and now your whole your whole life is gone yeah like that's that shouldn't be the case like that should be a moment of like like where is like is that really who i am as a person is just the places i go to and the money i spend on stuff like yeah that's been that's been I mean, interesting to see. It has a I think it has a lot to do with uh, being born in like a capitalist country, where yeah. instead of finding fulfillment just in yourself and in who you are and your family, you have to confide yourself yourself inside of a material thing or a place or a job or an idea that you just need to be in completely in control. You know, like nobody can tell me what, you know, like just this attitude of, you know, I, you know, nobody can tell me what to do. And unfortunately, a lot of these people, you know, throughout America that a lot of the, you know, hyper lib people are bashing and yep. saying, you know, how do you not get this? Like, you know, there's a lot of liberal people that are like, how do you not just put on a mask? Well, you have to put yourself in these, the perspective of these people of they're living in a place where they've been taught ideals their whole life and they have been taken advantage of yep. by corporations. They've been taken advantage of by the government. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, these political leaders that are telling you that it's the liberal people that are trying to know, like, this is a class issue. Like this is, a, this is what's, what's happened when you let businesses and you let politicians bend and mold your lives and your communities and your education systems. And then now you're looking to point a finger and you can't figure out where to point your finger. So you start blaming, you know, the hypercritical libs, which, you know, we, we, we don't need to get in. I mean, we all know how divided 
everything is. Everything is. And that's very, you know, we know why and we know how that's beneficial to businesses and to, to controlling people in this country. Um, it's just yeah. a shame because there are, there's so many people in this country that aren't heard. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, you know, where you are, how much money you make. I mean, obviously the people that are living in lower income areas definitely don't have as much of a, of a, of a voice being heard as other people that have, uh, you know, privileges and whatnot. Um, or even mobility sometimes, like just being able yeah. to like take what you're doing and like adapt it to like a different, you know, part of the country or diff- or even moving from like a rural to an urban area or, you know, like there's, there's a lot of like learning curves that, you know, were kind of thrust upon people and some people had the tools and the resources and community to like navigate that. And other people, they were just like, well, I guess I'm just, you know, I guess I lose my house now. Yeah. And that's, that's like, (laughs) we're going to deal with for like, you know, the next few years is like, you know, not everyone can adapt. Like, you know, the argument of like, He's like, well, mining jobs are going away, but software jobs are going up. So why don't we just teach all these, you know, people who mine in coal mines how to code? Like, wait, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna teach this 60 year old man who's like, you know, spent years in like this company and had like some sense of security, and he's used it to like provide for his family and yeah. to like, hey, can you develop like this new app for? <laughs> It's like, yeah, I know. I, I, and what's an app? I don't use those. Yeah. And now, you know, as, and, and now we're understanding more as even jo- industries like computer programming, computer sciences. Yeah. These jobs are quickly diminishing because of artificial intelligence and because of these just new systems. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's why our issues are moving so much faster than, you know, our social understanding of them. You know, by the time that John Smith lost his mining job and they're trying to find out another income, yep. they might be going to an industry that's also dying. And yeah. they, you know, it's like there's just so much, there's so much evolution now in this country economically. Um, you know, I do, I think that universal base income is kind of the answer because there's just not going to be jobs. Like there's just, a lot of these jobs are disappearing faster than the, the people are being born and people are, you know, there's just more people than there are jobs. And, you know, even Amer- even in the United States where, um, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of, a, of opportunity, I guess, compared to other places in, in this world. Right. You know, in the 21st century, it's just, you know, just the industry and these big businesses have found a way you know, to basically just cut out people from everything. And so all we have left is these oversized homes and these oversized debts. And then we're trying to figure out who to blame when really the issue the whole time was, you know, we allowed a society to get to a point of consuming rather than like helping. And this is like, I'm sound like a, a Bernie Sanders bro right now. And I just, I just might be, but Bernie bro. I just like I I saw like a clip from the uh, CPAC or is that what's called? Oh yeah, or, yep, CPAC. It's just like you know I just couldn't believe it. You know I I, mean, I guess I should believe it because that's the narrative that they've been playing for the last couple of years. But it's just like wow, it's just these poor people are being tricked. 
you know, to think that the issues are over here when really the issue is has been here the whole time. The caravan's um, coming back. <laughs> Eric, get in the van. Yeah, the caravan's coming back. We're well, selling the house. And like, I think of like, uh, you know, there's just been this interesting, like, how fast things move and how perceptions can like be swayed or or even just change with like new information or you know finally getting to the the nugget of a of a of an issue and i think of like with governor cuomo in new york like he went from being like like oh look at this tough mayor like getting things done yeah. for the city like he's, he's yeah the president and now because yeah, like, he yeah because he got a lot of cred for handling the new york situation with, with in the early quarantine and then yeah and then now we realize oh he's just a scumbag yeah, he just underreported, you know, was it like as much as 50% in nursing homes of, of like, you know. Yeah, and now he's like sexual allegations. It's just one thing after another with these wealthy politicians. You know, they want to show you what they want to show you and they'll, and then you know, they'll will. conceal the rest. But, you know, yeah. one thing, one good thing about technology is, is uh, even good news travels quickly. Um, or even the, I should say, even, sorry, even the truth travels quickly so um you know i don't know if i have like a lot of hope for like the american political system in the future but what i would hope for is is for young people to just be more critical about you know what is really going on here just because fox news and vice is getting me ruffling my feathers you know like what what is the truth you know and what is going to be best for you know me and, and my family you know long down the road and stuff like that you know so yeah i don't know sorry we're getting political baby <laughs> um but i think to to end on a uh a, an uplift uplifting note i don't know yeah it, it's uh i was thinking about um uh a certain artist who has now moved into the three-dimensional realm which is uh bill Wirtz. he is oh yeah he is now he is someone made the comment on that video he put out uh it's like he took all this time off to like learn how to do like 3d animation wait a minute (laughs) you know something that i don't know (laughs) that bill words put out a song in like how long ago the end of january i think what I didn't know. Yeah, I remember he had that video. Like, is this the this is the end or something? I was like two years ago. Yeah, here, here's what I could do through the power of Zoom. Yes, find the video. (laughs) Yeah, we were going. You know, there's there's so much heavy topics you know in the world right now that they're very important. But you gotta remember, (laughs) gotta have some Bill Words in your life to keep you smiling. (laughs) Gotta stay positive for your own good. Just like. So this makes me so happy. I don't know. There's something about Bill. It just it's just like it's like he just makes it because it's fun. Yeah, there's like he's a, not he's not trying to satisfy anybody. He's just trying to have fun. He's just like this is random. It's weird. It's quirky, but there's also like it's some deep underlying message. Yeah. If you and, watched a couple times, you're like, oh, this is really about mental health wow i never realized that or like you know like his other you know he has all sorts of right. themes but yeah yeah thanks for sharing that the, the
premiere for me. I'm sure like some of your people are like, oh yeah, I'm seeing this. It came out a long time ago. Well, where no, you been, Ryan? So what's gonna be funny is that I have, and this is it'll be like a weird. I guess this is fourth wall ish, but um, so I, I I recorded an episode with Michael Dawes from the Accidentals, and that episode when th- this will have already come out. Or yeah, that episode will already be out when this one comes out. And in that video, it was like literally three days before when we were just seeing like teasers on Bill Ward. Like Bill Ward started posting on Instagram, and we were all like, "What? What? What's he doing? Wait, what was he posting? Like, is something happening? Is something new coming?" And then like, you know, I did the podcast with Michael, and we were just like, "Yeah, I wonder if it's like a new video or like if he's gonna." Like what's what's happening? He's been posting recently, and then three days after that, it was when the video came out, and I was like, oh, "Yes." It's gonna... So yes. now it'll be like we're gonna talk. Like, wonder what he did, and then this one will be like, "Here's what he did." So we'll we'll be the continuation. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um. So where where can people like find what you're up to? Um what you're doing sure no hurtler stuff but the if you if you want to if you want to keep up with me it's your boy ryan mcmahon mark mine herbie mac young mac whatever you want to call me um best best place to stay up with me nowadays is is on instagram so at ryan underscore mcmahon that's r-y-a-n underscore m-c-m-a-h-o-n uh, if you have any questions, you can email me at ryanmcmahon12 at gmail. So ryanmcmahon12 at gmail. Um, and if you're interested, uh, if you follow any of the Rainbow Seekers stuff, or if you're interested in what we're going to be doing with our outdoor socially distanced, you know, partial capacity shows coming up starting in the beginning of summer, you can find out all the information at joehurtler.com. Um, or at Joe Hurtler's uh, Instagram of the same name. Um, the website's always up to date. And if you're interested in like um, where the venues are at or um, ticketing and stuff like that, joehurtler.com is the best for that. Um, but yeah, if you like cool memes or if you just like a kind of a plethora of good content and music, um, yeah, hit me up on Instagram. Feel free to send me messages. my main instrument we didn't really talk about it at all you know because i haven't really been playing live at all but my main instrument is the drums but you know i've been doing some other stuff lately too and i'm always down if you have some cool stuff you'd like to show me as well feel free to send me some stuff i like love content all content is great <laughs> big fan of, of funny content of, of good music and stuff like that so um, yeah instagram or, or my gmail will be just fine Awesome. And yeah, for those who are either listening, you know, now, I, I don't know if anyone's tuned into the stream, but <laughs> for patrons at least, but mm-hmm. uh, if, yeah, and for those who might be listening, you know, are listening after the fact, uh, if you like these kind of conversations and you want to support, you can go to patreon.com slash That's where, you know, all these podcast streams and episodes come out early. Um, I have, you know, more scheduled for this week and next week. Um, and 
you know, if you want to check out a kind of an overarching thing of what I do, uh, has a lot of links, a lot of, you know, stuff that I do all over the web. Um, and whatever you happen to be listening to this on, you could also give me a little follow, a little follow. Yeah, we like the sub. Give me the sub. It's a sub, little sub. It's free. It's free it for is. you. Yeah. It's, it helps with metrics and... You know, it, it gets me access to different, like, you know, if I reach a certain level on YouTube, I can start streaming, like, more directly through YouTube rather than, you know, by proxy. And, you know, get verified, get a little blue check mark, and be like, ooh, is he, is he official? And be like, I am now. <laughs> I am now, thanks to you folks out there. Yeah, trying to get that Instagram verification, but submitting once every couple months, I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> And we know if anybody, if we know anybody deserves it, it's you, Dutch, because you got you got your bases covered. You can do it all. You can, you can play the keyboard. You can make people smile. You can tell me lots of cool facts. You can show me Bill Words videos. Yes. Um, and also, from a technical standpoint, there's pretty much nothing you can't do. So. <laughs> Definitely trying to eliminate the the, but I can't. Yeah. See, I mean, you're. I, you're situated right in your studio at Third Coast right now, whether it's musical or production or entertainment, it's got you covered. Got you covered. Well, yeah, thanks for jumping on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have, you know, in the summer, in the thick of all the, you know, figuring out shows and all that, we'll have more to catch up on. Oh, absolutely. I would love to come back on the show. You know, I was like chatting with you and, and catching up and sharing thoughts and stuff like that. And I'm sure by the next time, uh, if we decide to do this again, by the next time um, we do chat, we'll have so much more newfound knowledge and understanding, you know, not just about the, the music industry, just about kind of everything that's been going on in these past few months. So that's like, that's one thing I just love so much about. Um, um, one good thing about these past few months is just like, just been learning so much and just understanding so much more and, and uh, you know, for as much crazy stuff is going on out there, there's uh, is also kind of a clarity of, of you know of what's been going on and what's it, what you know what what what's it going to take for you know musicians like us to be able to take a step forward and have some new knowledge. And I think this podcast is part of that process too. So I appreciate you, Dutcher. So. Appreciate you as well. This is fun, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk. You know, before official podcast mm-hmm. chat. Well. <laughs> oh yeah. 